open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mark Wong Tower, Mark Wong Tower, this is Albatross 1 3, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Photon bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. One. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Welcome to the bottom of the ocean. This is the Docking Base 77 podcast. I am the tool pusher on this rig, Dayton Johnson. And yes, it's December and the sequel to Avatar, The Way of Water, is only a couple of days away. I thought it'd be fun to discuss one of James Cameron's forgotten movies, the 1989 sci-fi action love story, The Abyss. From James Cameron, the writer and director of The Terminator and Aliens, comes The Abyss. Probably shouldn't have married her then, huh? Hang on, gentlemen. Here's a bottomless pit, baby. Two and a half miles straight down. see what we want to see. Coffee looks and he sees hate and fear. You have to look with better eyes than that. Talk to me, bud, please. Do you hear me? He's coming up fast. Joining me this week, please welcome a guy that uses, quote, water tentacle as a nickname for, well, something. Hello, Andrew Blakely. How are you? Fantastic. Happy to be here. And please welcome for the first time to this podcast, someone who thinks everything is a conspiracy. Well, because everything is 
Patrick O'Reilly from the Vintage Video Podcast. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure's on this side of the table. I swear. Um, so Patrick, why don't you tell people that may not know all about your podcast? Sure. Um, I host a podcast called Vintage Video and what we're doing, uh, myself, my wife, Jessica, and my former Blockbuster manager, Richard, are going through the 80s in chronological order and reviewing every wide release. So uh, for 1980, that meant 168 titles. We finished that. We're a little past halfway through 1981 right now. And the goal is to cover the decade in total. But obviously, that's uh, it's a lofty one. So it's going to take some time. And 1981 is already taking close to three years, I think. And they go, they get longer because there's more movies every year. So. Well, yeah. And because uh, I went back to the your 1980s season and was going, man, that's a long way ago. And uh, I'm all caught up on 81. But so I, I go back every once in a while, hit a 1980s episode too. Um, so yeah, in case you didn't hear uh, the episode we did on Time Bandits, uh, your intro has all the little sound clips and whatever. And it wasn't yeah. until we did the episode on Time Bandits where I realized your last drop came from. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> that was funny. So anyway, all right, well, let's get into it. Yes, we're talking about The Abyss and Andrew has prepared a little production history for us. What have you got for us, Andrew? Uh, well, like all James Cameron uh, movies, the production history got a little crazy. Uh, so the, <laughs> the title actually comes from uh, an H.G. Wells story uh, in the abyss where they were going shockingly to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, but the story comes from James Cameron uh, actually had uh, seen somebody in high school, uh, Francis, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Fledchik, <laughs> uh, who was the first person who had actually breathed liquid. Uh, oxygen successfully. And uh, so he had the idea for a short story back in high school. Uh, it wasn't until he was filming aliens uh, and watching a uh, national geographic documentary on robot uh, deep sea like operations that he had the fully fledged idea and started writing the script out. So um, he produced it along with his wife, uh, Gail Ann Hurd. Uh, they were married at the beginning of the production. <laughs> um, but uh, as the production went along, uh, very heavily influenced the story, as I'm sure you can tell there uh, by the time post-production came around, they were already fully finally divorced. Um, having said that, the team did a whole lot of dive training, as I'm sure you can imagine uh, over 40% of the film, the live action of the film takes place underwater. Uh, and so it was an extremely grueling, grueling thing that they had to do. So uh, they had to invent a lot of this equipment, including uh, lighting for the actors faces, uh, recording equipment that operated inside their suits and uh, an ability for Cameron to be able to communicate with them. All of this did not exist in the diving systems that they had. So not only did he have to invent all this stuff, but he had to figure out a place to film it. So uh, in an old nuclear power plant in South Carolina, they converted two gigantic dive tanks. At the time, they were the largest in the world. Uh, one of them held up to 75 million gallons of water. Uh, and this is where the majority of the underwater stuff was filmed. Uh, but even then, you know, James Cameron just goes above and beyond. Uh, so he had to figure out ways to adjust the lighting by letting plastic beads rest on the surface of the water. Right. So they could control the lighting and make it seem like it was further down. Uh, this tank was so enormous that the crew actually was over 55 feet down and they'd be down there for hours and hours on end. They actually had to go to, through decompression themselves after each day of filming. <laughs> um <laughs> I, all of this was so unbelievably intense and they would spend hours and hours and hours down here to the point where, uh, both Ed Harris and, um, Mary Elizabeth Monstrantiano, if I'm Monstrantiano, yeah, 
Mr. Antonio uh, had full on nervous breakdowns, uh, broke down crying, screaming, uh, threatened to leave the shoot on multiple occasions because it was just so unbelievably demanding. Um, principal photography began, began on uh, August 15th, 1988. I only threw that in here to let you guys know because I love saying this. That was like eight days before I was born. <laughs> Feel Thanks for making older. me feel old. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> love, love doing that every chance I can get, Dayton. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, but by the end of it, uh, you know, obviously we all have seen the incredible underwater footage um, that, that came out of it. So I think it was absolutely worth all of the intense, intense work that they put in. Well, the funny thing is most of those people uh, didn't work on, with any movies uh, with him again. So that was pretty <laughs> That's much true. <laughs> they that, said That seems to be a theme with James Cameron. <laughs> well, he seems to uh, keep like, um, I guess Bill Paxton was just a glutton for punishment because he pops up in every one of almost every one of his movies. Yeah, so Paxton and Bean got to stick yeah. around for a while. Yeah, you know, and that was what's so funny is uh, I remember hearing. I'm sure it's true, but I, you know, I love to think it's true that uh, crew had T-shirts made that said, "I know what hell's like. I work for James Cameron." So <laughs> I believe that. If I'm wrong, James, you can call me up and tell me I'm wrong. So anyway, so I have a little bit of history uh, on Cameron himself, and I'm totally going to screw up his uh, birth city. Uh, born August 16th, 1954, in Caspa. Casing, Ontario. See, I know he's going to screw it up. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> he was the first of five children. His father was an electrical engineer and his mother was a nurse and artist. At age 17, his family moved to Berea, California, where he attended high school and temporarily attended Fullerton Community College. His love of writing and his interest in special effects were elevated by the excitement of Star Wars, which led him to the film industry. After convincing a group of dentists to finance a movie, he made Xenogenesis with a friend in 1978, basically learning filmmaking on the fly. He worked on the movie Rock and Roll High School, which I love just because it has Ramones in it, and uh, found work with Roger Corman as a model maker. He did some work on Escape from New York, Battle Beyond the Stars, and Android. He took yep. over directing duties on Piranha 2, The Spawning. Uh, which is terrible, <laughs> but he, he finished it uh, after the original director quit. Uh, Cameron had a fever dream about an invincible robot hitman sent from the future to assassinate him. This, of course, would be the inspiration for Terminator, which he did release in 1984. And of course, after that, now we pretty much know the rest, you know, aliens, true lies, Avatar, Titanic. It just keeps on going. He just takes a nice now he takes a nice chunk between each movie. So, yeah. <laughs> Gives us a chance to catch up. A uh, little bit about the movie. The Abyss uh, is an American sci-fi action film written and directed by Cameron, of course, starring Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, Michael Bean, and like I said before, a lot of people that would never work for him again. Uh, when an American submarine sinks in the Caribbean, a U.S. SEAL team works with an underwater oil rig crew racing against Soviet vessels to recover the boat. Deep in the ocean, they encounter something unexpected. Released August 9th, 1989 from 20th Century Fox. The theatrical cut had a runtime of two hours and 20 minutes. The special edition runtime was two hours and 50 minutes. Now, uh, which version did you guys watch in preparation for this? I'm just curious. I, I watched the special edition. Uh, I actually, that was the first I had seen uh, back when I was a kid. I didn't realize how different the ending was in the, the theatrical <laughs> release until only a couple of years ago. How about you, Patrick? I wanted to be as prepared as possible. So I watched the original, which until now was the only version that I'd seen. And okay. then I watched the special edition after that. So um, <laughs> very, very different ending. Uh, I was kind of surprised by how like 
on the nose everything is uh, <laughs> right uh, but uh it's still it's still fun and uh i feel like the tidal waves do add you know a little bit of production value to it even mm-hmm. if they're barely seen in the in right the extended stuff right um it did have a large budget well a budget at the time of 47 million it did make uh, 90 million at the box office nominated four oscars and uh one for best visual effects of course it did because why else i mean why not um so I was old enough to uh, see this when it first hit video. I unfortunately did not see it in the theater. But my uh, oldest friend, Chris, who was the first person I know to have a laser displayer, uh, made me a copy of the special edition. So that's how I saw it. And that was back in 1993. So, yeah, that's when I was in college. So that tells you uh, ages me a little bit. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes, it is definitely a different movie altogether uh, with that ending in there. And I was surprised to find out. Um, I didn't realize this until later that it was Cameron that actually cut the, the that 30 minutes. It right. wasn't the studio. I'm just so used to the studio, you know, it's too long. It's too long. <laughs> Cut that out. So, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's definitely different. All right. Um, well, let's get into some things we like about the movie. Patrick, since you are our guest, why don't you go first? I mean, obviously they lucked out with these uh, sort of abandoned nuclear reactor sets <laughs> because right. the insane scale of all the underwater stuff is just mind blowing. Specifically they're early in the film when they're locating the downed sub, and they're busting their way into it from the outside. It's just incredible to see all these actors themselves in the dive suits under the water. And it's, you know, artificially deeper because they they kind of blackened the top of the tank. But right. it just looks so incredible. And nobody does this anymore. It'll never yeah. happen again. No, oh, uh, no, you're absolutely right. So it's, it's just the scale of that is incredible. Um, and then there's also like, little moments that i that i made note of that i like throughout the film uh specifically uh uh mary elizabeth mastrantonio when she says virgil turn on your side when he's snoring near her (laughs) and he doesn't even wake up but he hears her and follows the command i just love that moment because it feels like such a married couple thing to just like i know that voice i'm supposed to do what that voice says (laughs) um and i also really love the effect of the water tentacle pov because i feel like it matches so well with the shape of what you see oh yeah Um, right those were three things that i just noted uh appreciating on this pass all right andrew how about you uh one of the big ones and it sort of permeates the whole film is uh and i think that cameron was so good at this in the 80s was the the dialogue between everybody on board all right Uh, camaraderie it felt like real working class people who'd been stuck in a very small space for a long period of time and that felt very natural which for a sci-fi movie often gets played uh overplayed i should say whereas in this it felt really natural so i love the the relationships between everybody yeah actually that's one of the things i noted was the cast and uh the relationships because you're right um i've worked with a lot of people i never worked on a rig or oil rig but you do (laughs) get uh you get comfortable with people and uh, it's almost like a family. So a lot of the dialogue and uh, relationships are definitely shown, even with the people that are only on screen a few minutes, you know, they all definitely feel like they're supposed to be there. And uh, I can't remember her name, but the one that plays one night, this is her feature film debut. And I thought she did such a good enough job. I didn't even think that that was the case. So I didn't do a lot, a lot after, but um, she probably got broken after doing this, but anyway, uh, she was really good. Uh, and I love Ed Harris, um, in this part, um, at that point, I really hadn't seen him in much, but man, he plays working class so well yeah. and that really stuck out. And then Michael Bean, who's usually kind of the good guy, at least up to this point, just 
off off his rocker man he's just nuts in this <laughs> it's just and he gets scary uh it just absolutely gets scary especially the scene when he's slicing into his own arm mm-hmm. after the water tentacle shows up i'm just like i just it, it's cringeworthy absolutely cringeworthy yeah. it had been a while since i'd seen the movie and so i was trying to guess what i i assumed that he wasn't just being crazy and cutting himself that he was going to try and blame that on the water tentacle or say that it did something to him to explain why he slammed the doors on it but it's like no he's just literally doing that out of the table no reason yeah i know just, man and then uh that one other uh, seal is trying to convince him no it, it, you're you need to get some sleep and then he's he's like no we have to take care of this and he's like okay fine i'll just i'll cock the gun and ugh. Just the the way everything falls apart so quickly, um, but yeah. Uh, let's see anything else, uh, Patrick? That you that really stood out to you, especially this viewing. Um, that was it for my likes. Those were the three moments where I mean, I'm I like a lot of it. I like the production okay. design and a lot of the underwater photography. But um, those were three things that stood out, especially for me. Sounds good. All right, Andrew. Anything else you want to mention? Yeah, one of the things that I it didn't really register until this most recent time watching it, but I love the design of the the NTIs, the, the aliens in this. Oh yeah. So often uh, in sci-fi aliens are just some form of humanoid and they really feel like something that was developed in an entirely different atmosphere, an entirely different world. Um, And I I just thought that was not only creative, but really well executed. And he kind of borrows from that in the avatar series because Mm -hmm. uh, these characters have four arms, which it seems like everything on the avatar planet Pandora has like Mm -hmm. four arms in the upper body. Um, and a lot of bioluminescence and the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, that's one of the, my favorite, um, scenes in a way when he's falling, when he's on his way down to, uh, a little geek and he sees, I, you know, I see lights down here and everybody's thinking, uh, Oh, he's, he's, he's gone. He's lot, you know, the pressure's gotten to him. And, but then you see that shot of what he's seen. You're like, Oh, they, that is so cool. But yeah, the aliens. And I always find that amusing what they do in different movies when they uh, have aliens, and as far as I can remember, this is like the only one where they really uh, were underwater, where water is their thing. Usually it's right. Um, they're just coming to, you know, steal our resources or whatever. But yeah, the it's like every time one of them comes on the screen, I really want to reach out like Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Mastrandoni does. I want to touch it because it just looks like it glides and it's soft. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, that would be fun. Uh, but I wouldn't want to be that far down in the water to do it. So no, no, thanks. <laughs> no way. Um, this this movie to me is submarine movie adjacent uh, mm-hmm. because of the, just how it, it is claustrophobic and it is, there's always that threat of flooding and everything. Um, and it does start on a submarine. I, yeah, I know. So that <laughs> it, it totally works. Uh, but yeah. And that scene alone um, when it crashes and then the flooding and then uh, later when they have their issues getting dragged and uh, all that stuff just freaks me out. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it's done so well. And uh, the fact that those weren't stunt people, those were the actors literally, you know, pretending to drown in those scenes. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, just, it's so, it, I buy every, every one of those scenes. It just, yeah. ugh, I catch myself holding my breath every time. My wife makes fun <laughs> of me when I do it. She's like, you can breathe. There's no water down here. I'm, like, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad like, I'm not the only one that does that. Okay, good. So I was a little worried that would it just be me. Um, now, okay, after watching, so, so you guys both watched, uh, have both seen seen both versions. Um, how, I mean, how do you feel about the theatrical versus the special edition? Is Because I always kind of felt that the theatrical one just didn't quite make sense when it was over. 
you know, it was just like kind of like, oh, he he's here here they come. And I always kind of felt like it was missing something. Is that still true? I mean, because I haven't watched the theatrical version in a very long time. So what do you think, Patrick? Since you're fresh watch re- both of them recently. Um, I actually don't think I have a preference between the two different versions. Okay. I don't I, it didn't feel like it made such a significant difference to me to take the um take out the whole aliens are are angry about us in engaging in nuclear war because when you take out the tidal waves then they just seem 100 benevolent the okay. whole time so i feel like the theatrical cut still works because it solves its own problem by taking out both halves of that equation but um but yeah i still enjoyed watching the extended cut i think that the way it ended up in theaters is probably the the proper way to do it just in terms okay. of you know you want to limit the the runtime on these things it's already over two hours right right yeah. okay all right what about you andrew um i the the downside i think to the extended edition or the the special edition is and i think that patrick mentioned earlier is it feels a little on the nose when they're kind of like oh yeah. humans are bad and we're going to take like it, it almost feels like that's been either done or or hinted at so many times but on the flip side i think that um, without that, the the last act of the movie loses some impact because you know after uh, that's my true character is gone, like the the immediate pressure feels like it's just lifted, and so it yeah. almost feels like it's dragging at that point. And so at least it's building to something in that sense. So I don't know. I think between the two of them, I and mean, maybe it's a preference because it's the movie I've known for so long. I like the the special edition better. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I was I figured that was gonna be your answer because I know how you feel about the special edition from aliens, but <laughs> <laughs> I always like more more content. What can I say? Well, and um more content if it's done well. Uh I recently saw that for Jurassic World Dominion there was an extended cut of that, and that just started uh, making okay. me cry because I was like the, <laughs> the theatrical was already too long. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'd have to actually watch that to have an opinion on it. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's too long. Learn to learn to cut things that aren't important. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> which was, it, I was so excited for it. And then it was just like, eh, okay, whatever. Moment of truth. Let's go. Forget everything you've ever seen. Forget everything you've ever heard. Forget everything you've ever experienced. There's everything you've ever known about adventure. And then, there's The Abyss, rated PG-13. Opens Wednesday, August 9th at Theaters Everywhere. Okay, well, how about we move on to some dislikes? Patrick, is there anything from this uh, movie doesn't work for you? Well, I know that we complimented a lot of the uh, the interactions between these these blue collar coworkers, and they feel very real. But there's a couple standout moments earlier in the film that honestly made me think I was watching like some like TV version of the film because <laughs> specifically there's a line from Bud at the beginning where he says that guy doesn't know his butt from a rat hole, and I was oh, like, okay, right, that's definitely ass <laughs> on set, right? He's not saying butt in this scene. <laughs> and then when he's arguing with his wife over the over the TV monitor, and right. she says, "Virgil, you wiener," and I was just like, <laughs> what, "What grade are these people in?" <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of those were just two standouts. The rest of it is fine. Literally every other line of dialogue is great. It right. was just those two lines that stood out to me where I was like, this is not the way these people talk to each other for <laughs> sure. Um, and obviously there's, as far as dislikes go, the, uh, the, 
the necessity of drowning a rat on set is uh, pretty disturbing to watch because I mean, I know that it survived that they were all, you know, verifiably okay in terms of like they took him to a vet after the scene, but it still thinks it's drowning and it's right. freaking out. And supposedly they like crap themselves in the tank when they're yeah. getting drowned like that. Cause they think that it's the end of their life, right. uh, which is just horrifying that they're putting anything through that. Um, yeah, and well, then, and I know there was five. They used five different rats. So, right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then also, uh, this is just a personal note that uh, I think that the score gives away a little bit too much of the aliens' intentions. Like specifically when it's coming in and mimicking everyone's faces, it's very uplifting and very um, like kind of like a saturated happiness, and everybody is immediately laughing in the room. When I would still be horrified, like I would be like, "What the hell is happening here? Why is it mimicking us? Is it going to replace us?" Like, um, but th- the score gives away right away that these are these are well-meaning aliens. They're well-intentioned. They're not trying to kill you. Um, and then there's some. Uh, this is uh, probably much pointed out, but. Uh, toward the end when uh, Master Antonio says that she needs to drown and that he needs to carry her under the water as far as they can go he first they just stand in place and he just watches her drown slowly it is like you could have saved another like 45 seconds if you'd have been swimming that whole time and but instead we're wasting this time watching her drown um, which is just like just swim already why aren't you swimming (laughs) Um, yeah no I I agree it's like you know you could have got a head start you know just 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 go you know you know how this is going to play out just just go so yeah I I totally agree with that one and then one last score note um and this is this is a personal problem uh I I the the main theme that recurs throughout the film sounds exactly like the Pokemon Red main theme to me (laughs) and i just i'll send you clips if you want to hear it because there's just like four or five notes in a row where i was like i know how this goes i'm going to hear the next few notes and it's like oh no this isn't i'm not playing pokemon i'm watching the (laughs) abyss right now So I think obviously Nintendo got their second, but it just reminded me of it enough that I kept hearing it over and over. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, no, I don't know that, but so I, want, I definitely want to hear that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'll send you clips. All right. Sounds good. All right, Andrew, anything doesn't work for you? Um, the the big one to me, and this is, I think, a, a recurring theme in a lot of Cameron's work is he's so focused on doing like absolutely crazy stuff to get the shot that he has in mind and, and pushing the envelope that it sometimes feels gimmicky and then doesn't hold up down the line. So some of the effects were, you know, groundbreaking at the time, but because I think they were like, he was so excited to show them that now the scenes feel very dated where I don't think they necessarily had to. Okay. Um, Is there certain ones or. I mean, the, the water effect is one of them. I think that you could have been a little bit um, more judicious about how much of it you were showing, whereas he was just really excited to show it as much as possible. And it, it feels a little bit gimmicky. And a lot of the underwater stuff uh, holds up so unbelievably well because it was practical. Right. Um, so it, it makes the the dichotomy between the two, like one's really, really great and the other one's okay. I mean, it was great for 1989, but it because they went so hard in on it, now it doesn't hold up as well. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the uh, mostly underwater stuff I think is amazing. The the fact that they put uh, screens inside the models for the ROVs and whatever, so you can see them moving around inside was amazing. But yet, and then I watched the special edition and I see the tidal wave. And I guess I'm just so used to how many tidal wave sequences we see now with tsunamis sure. and everything else that I that's like, in my mind, the one visual effect that really doesn't hold up, you know? And I, it's just, it, it was so impressive then. And now I'm watching it going, yeah, maybe it's not as impressive as I thought, or maybe I'm just a little bit too jaded at this point. So that's like my only complaint with the, with the visuals is that one, that one definitely feels late eighties, early nineties for sure. Um, if, if I can make our second Jurassic Park reference, I think he was so excited, preoccupied with whether or not he could, he didn't stop to think whether or not he should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of directors that are like that. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I mentioned it on our top seven golden age of cinema. When I talked about Kubrick in 2001. Just because you can make that space station rotate all the way around doesn't mean you have to there, Kubrick. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's, the, the same problem holds up with Avatar. And it's it's one of my concerns is like everybody talked about how groundbreaking it was, but now it's old. It's not groundbreaking anymore. So what's the value, you know? Hey, don't yeah. talk bad about Avatar. I like that movie. <laughs> I Sorry. I love Dances with Wolves. And then you put it in space and I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm I'm good with that. I don't have any problem with that. Come on. Okay. Um. Uh, a couple other things that I had a complaint with. Um, we all we mentioned uh, her drowning and not just taking time to get her out of there. Yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about Lindsay for a minute. It's like at the very beginning of the movie, everybody seems to hate her. You mm-hmm. know, she, they played her bitchy side up. I think way too hard at the beginning. Yeah, and and it, I mean, obviously, we know their relationship is over and things like that. But it didn't need to be. It made it hard to like her. So mm-hmm. it took a long time for us to like her. And then all of a sudden everybody's okay with her. It just, to me, it's like, you know, make it to where they're just not getting along, but they don't have to be totally mean. So I don't know. I didn't like, I didn't like that part of her um, character and a little bit with the chase scene with um at towards the end with Lindsay bud and coffee. Um, I kind of felt that that went on a little too long that maybe um, just get to the point. You know, and like you said, just because you can shoot all that un- cool underwater stuff doesn't mean we need to. Yeah. Because like I said, at that point, we know the movie is going to be long. So I just kind of like, uh, let's let's just get to it. But when he falls off the edge and that thing implodes, that's freaking amazing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what a great ending to a horrible person. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say my co-host Richard and I have have disagreed as to the uh, incredible work done in uh, Thunderball. Um, in terms of like underwater work, but there's really long scenes with like a single setup of 60 guys fighting underwater in dive tanks and everything. And, uh, and I just, the whole time I was so bored with it. It's like, I know how hard this was to do and it's so boring to look at because it's not framed interestingly. And I just don't care. I, it doesn't matter that it was really hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you're kind of like I've I've done that before too, where I'm like I know this is a lot of work, but it's just so unimpressive. Yeah. So yeah, I get you. I get you. All right. Um, any other dislikes before we move on to some of our questions? I was just going to say uh, regarding your point about how everyone was so judgmental of Lindsay when she's coming down. Uh, it did seem like the crew was kind of split into factions because you have right, okay, Bud right. and One Night kind of are disgusted by her and maybe a couple other people, but like Catfish and them, like everybody else seemed really friendly. As soon as she got on board, they're like, oh, hey, Lindsay's here. Like they're excited that she's the one who got sent down. So right. it did seem like there there were different teams when she showed up. 
And well, I'm, that's true. When you have a, a divorced couple, there's usually people that yeah. pick sides. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I didn't really catch that, but yeah, I dig that. Sure, that was really heavily influenced. Uh, Cameron said that the character was based off of his wife slash ex-wife, you know, Gail Ann Hurd. And so yeah. I'm sure midway through production while they're getting divorced, that might've influenced how he portrayed her a little bit, <laughs> but it sl- slipped Chris Elliott an extra 20 to be a little meaner, you know, about her. Right? Yeah. 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 Man, he just is so notorious for <laughs> women on, in his movies. Jeez. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> my, my biggest dislike about this movie is not necessarily the movie itself is the fact that there is not an updated 4k Blu-ray release of this freaking movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. And it's like near impossible to find uh, as Andrew found out he had to go rent a copy from the library. So I, I couldn't even get it at my local library. I had to go two cities over. <laughs> well, I, I did hear that there might be plans for an HD home video release uh, after Avatar 2 comes out, but that he's so focused on that right now and he needs to be hands on with every home video release. So, right. Hopefully yeah, that's I know. Coming. I know. But there's still, you know, he could do that with True Lies <laughs> and his whole his yep. whole cat- catalog needs a nice Blu-ray up- upgrade. So anyway. The Abyss is an experience like no other, writes Peter Travers of Rolling Stone magazine. It's the greatest underwater adventure ever filmed. The most consistently enthralling of the summer blockbusters, one of the best pictures of the year. It's also something even more unexpected. A love story of shattering impact. The Abyss. Okay, uh, so Patrick, favorite visual effect. Um, I wrote down that I really like the uh, when the tentacles getting cut off by the doors and it splashes to the ground. Oh, okay, um, I I just really love the way they match cut the CGI effect to practical water splashing down because it just completely sells the moment that they were in control of this and that somehow it needs to you know maintain contact throughout for them to control the water, but then as soon as you cut it off they lose it instantly. It's like when the Wi-Fi goes out, they just lose control of the water. <laughs> Very good. All right. Andrew. Uh, he actually stole mine perfectly. It's, it's, I, I almost, <laughs> I was watching it. I actually rewound and watched it twice. Cause I was trying to figure out how they're able to so seamlessly drop all this water in frame that like made any sense to me. And I couldn't figure out how they did it. My guess is that what they're doing is the cameras locked down. They have the CGI tentacle there and they dropped water from above camera in the shape of the tentacle. Oh, that makes sense. And so they would match cut when it was halfway down to the floor. So that way you would see water fall from where the shape was and yeah. then hit the floor. But it it looks flawless. And, and yeah, all like they do it in like three different shots and it looks great mm-hmm. in all of them. Well, I wasn't quite as uh, particular, but the, yeah, the water tentacle was my uh, was my <laughs> choice all the way through. Yeah. Just uh, as you mentioned, it's uh, it's POV, uh, which is very cool because I love that because you don't know what it is. And then uh, when Lindsay pops its head up, her head up, and then we see it, and then the whole mimicking thing is very cool. Which of course uh, leads us to what we got in uh, Terminator Two with the liquid metal right. uh, Terminator, which is freaking mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, so since you guys said that, I'm going to go um, one. I mean, if this one's more consistent. I mentioned it before. Uh, the submarines underwater using the uh, monitors or the you know the images inside the submarines to make it look like there's actually people inside selling the fact that those miniatures were full size. I thought that was just, it was just such a clever idea. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, Patrick, favorite sequence. Um, It's definitely Bud entering the trench when he's breathing the oxygenated liquid and he's going down and he's texting with everybody and he's kind of 
having trouble typing, having trouble describing what he's seeing. Um, that whole sequence is so intense. And I feel like even though the character says he knew it, that we knew from the beginning that he's not expecting to make it back up the face of this cliff. And so the whole time we're just thinking like, yeah, he's he's gone so far down. There's no way we're going to watch this happen again in reverse. This is this is right. a one way trip. And uh, it's it's terrifying. But then it's also thrilling when they've already reported his death to the the people on the surface and then they get another message from him and it's clearly typed out and he's he's ready to rejoin them and uh i just think that that moment is really thrilling honestly right virgil brigman back on the air yeah. andrew favorite uh, sequence uh for me it's the really the main confrontation uh, between bud and uh and coffee lieutenant coffee it, specifically like when they're going underwater to try to come back in through another door and like All right, yeah. earlier, I'm, I'm holding my breath the entire time as he's swimming. <laughs> and, you know, I I've been in freezing water before, like polar plunges and the like. So, I mean, I know how much that's shocking your body. So it's just, it's a really tense moment and then have him come up and try to have a physical altercation with a Marine, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or an ABC. And they make the point too. Yeah. They're, they're just like, what is he doing? That guy's a killing machine. <laughs> I know. Right. So that that whole sequence, I think, is you know, it's one of the highlights of the movie. It's the the main confrontation, and I just I loved it. I think it was really really well executed. Yeah, it, that scene. Every time I watch it, I'm like, don't reach for the gun, don't reach for the gun. It's not going to work. I keep thinking he's going to hear me, but he never does. Um, my whole my favorite one is when the rig is getting dragged by the crane. That whole sequence yeah. just, I mean, I sit up, I scoot to the end of my sofa, and I'm just taking in every single section because you know that was shot over the course of days and it was just, and to put it together so seamlessly and make it so exciting. And like I said, knowing that those were actors, not stunt people in there, mm-hmm. it just, it blows me away every time. Cause you're just waiting. You're like, you, you know, it has to stop, but you're like, when is the thing going to stop? When is it going to stop? And oh, yeah. just, it's so intense. And oh, I just freaking love it. And the fake out's great too, where you think they're safe because it missed them. Oh yeah. Right. And then it yeah. falls over the edge. That's just a wonderful step. And it's like a Rube Goldberg thing where you're just like, <laughs> Oh, well now we're going to go over. Right. Yeah. yeah then when you mentioned, when you mentioned how the scene, when he goes all the way down, he goes past the crane footage right. and it it's, is it bad that I kind of wanted the crane operator to still be stuck in there? Is that just oh, bad? No. <laughs> just, I'm well, just like, sadistic. yeah, well, you know, I'm a mail carrier. We have a uh, bad thoughts anyway. Um, so another thing I wanted to mention, uh, you mentioned the submarine earlier and all those people in it. Uh, fun fact, the crewman that has the crab crawl out of his mouth Ugh. is James Cameron's brother. Is it? <laughs> yes. That's great. I read that. I was like, oh, my God, why is he doing that to his brother? Well, that's, that's probably terrible. why, for yeah. sure. <laughs> if you don't know the answer to that question, you don't have a brother. Oh, no, I do have a brother. He was he tormented me for years. He used to sit like getting the crabs in your mouth. OK, <laughs> we have a we, we covered a scene like that in uh, the Blue Lagoon where a character <laughs> drowns. And then when the kids find him on the island the next day, a crab crawls out of his mouth. <laughs> Just like wondering why the actor would put up with that. <laughs> Cause they paid him more money. Anyway. Yep. Uh, all right, Patrick, do you have a favorite character? I mean, I feel like uh, it's too obvious to go with bud. So I'm going with catfish on this one. Um, all right. I, I just like how he's like the no nonsense muscle character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's just excited to be a part of whatever the new plan is. And, uh, he's, he's a dependable member of the team. He's, he's just great. He's a lot of fun. And, and I just love the facial expressions you get out of him over the course of the film. No, absolutely. Andrew? 
Uh, I'm sort of split. So like most likable character, um, I would say hippie. I, <laughs> he's an animal lover. He's just got this innocent quality to him. I love him. But like, as far as most engaging, I got to go with Michael Bean uh, as Lieutenant Coffee. I think he was, he was insane. Sure. <laughs> such an engaging character. Um, I, you know, I love watching him slowly deteriorate throughout it. It's, it was awesome. It was one of my favorite parts. All right. So yeah. Um, but is the obvious answer. Uh, and I loved hippie too, just because he was very funny. Uh, I, and I, as much as I was not happy with how her character started off, uh, Lindsay, I really like her character because, you know, as we've seen in Cameron's films, you know, pretty much forever, there's always a really strong, intelligent female character. And this one, I really enjoyed, uh, just because she was fun to watch. She was interesting. You didn't quite know, uh, where she was going. And quite frankly, she was way more attractive when she took off the stupid dress and the makeup and everything else and got, you know, <laughs> got her hands dirty. So, uh, and yeah, she was, she was just interesting to watch. Um, and you like coffee. I'm just kind of curious if that's because that's what you sell. No, maybe. No. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> what does it say about you? Do you like the, the maniacal, uh, <laughs> seal leader, whatever. I was, I was spending half the movie just waiting for him to say, we're going to take off and nuke the, the orbit. <laughs> you know? The only way to be sure. That's right. That would have been weird, but I would have been funny. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, Patrick, aside from, well, do you have a favorite James Cameron movie? Um, that's a good question. It's, it's hard to pick because there's a lot of them that stand out, but I honestly feel like <laughs> this is, it's a weird choice, but, uh, if I had to pick a movie for, uh, James Cameron to make sequels to for the rest of his career, it would probably be true lies. That's a great choice. <laughs> uh, that's the one that, uh, I get the most enjoyment out of. I think his partnership with Arnold is really fun. Um, yeah. and I, the Paxton part in that movie kills me. Uh, he's so funny in that. Um, and even Tom Arnold is great in that movie. Oh, like, yeah. every, everybody works a hundred percent in that movie. And, uh, I think Cliff Curtis is the villain and he's great. Um, and, uh, everybody's just really wonderful in there. Yeah. One of my favorite gags is when, uh, Tom Arnold stands in, next to that post and the guy shoots at him and he's like, he's obviously too big to hide behind the pole, but he does it anyway and doesn't get shot. He's like, he reaches around. Okay. I didn't get hit. Good. You know, I just love that gag. It cracks me up every time. And then of course the story about the. <laughs> The, the what kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cream the ice cube trays, ice cube trays yeah. yeah i love that it makes me think about my first wife anyway um uh, andrew you cannot say aliens what's your favorite <laughs> james Cameron movie that that hurts that hurts. yes i gotta make you think <laughs> yeah i mean he's it's got to be terminator 2 um i think the guy just does great with sequels but it's terminator 2 is amazing uh it's iconic i think even more so than the first one um and Obviously, you know, we talked about how this movie kind of led into that. And even the special edition sort of comes from the the extra goodwill he got from Terminator 2. It's it's amazing. So I, I got to give it to it. All right. That's fair. Um, I actually prefer the Terminator, the first one, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> so my favorite is actually uh, Titanic. And that is because hmm. he tells a love story that doesn't involve or be surrounded by cyborgs, terrorists, you know, aliens. Uh, it's actually just about people. And I thought that was a big leap for him because he hadn't done that yet. So, and then if you think about the level of detail, he went to uh, make us believe that we were on that ship at that time and, and hearing that story, 
Uh, and I sat through it three times in the theater. So um, yeah, I love that movie. I have, have a copy of the screenplay. I have bought every version that's been released on DVD and VHS. So I love that movie. And, did you um, see the 3D version? No, I didn't go see that. Was how Did it matter? I mean... I don't think it mattered, but I worked on it. Okay. <laughs> so yes. I, I worked for a company that did uh, stereoscopic post conversion. Oh, okay, it. cool. So, um, so I got a credit in that version of it. Um, oh, nice. But, uh, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> no, I unfortunately did not get a chance to see it uh, in the 3D version. Um, but that's cool. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, so do you have a favorite James Cameron character, Patrick? One that's you know created and written by James Cameron. Uh, it's going to be Paxton and True Lies for sure. All right, very cool. The, this uh, this guy who's claiming that he's like a spy to impress his girlfriend, and then he gets suddenly there's a helicopter with a spotlight on him, threatening to kill him, <laughs> and uh, he just finds himself in the exact scenario that he claimed to be a specialist in. Uh, that whole scene just kills me. I love it. All right, Andrew. I mean, that was a really good answer. Uh, <laughs> I think I got to go with Sarah Connor specifically because of how well she works in both Terminator one and two and the, the drastic change between the two, but it, it still feels like the same character and the, the way that they're able to play that is just really, really cool. All right. See, I was going to go with Harry Tasker uh, from true lies, mm -hmm. but I don't know how much of that screenplay was taken from the French version. So I'm going to go with uh, uh, Rose DeWitt Bucator from of course titanic um a big part of that is because i had a massive crush on kate winslet at that time uh so i went back and watched jude sense and sensibility heaven the creatures anything <laughs> i could watch uh but i like that character because of her situation makes her interesting she's trying to be her own person in a world that's telling her what to be and um all the shit she had to put up with from her mom and you know from her fiance and just the world she lived in. And she was just interesting. And, you know, like I said, it helps that uh, I had a crush on Kate Winslet. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so that's my choice. And he just, he just, I think overall Cameron just writes women characters very well, um, which makes yeah. it even funnier that he can't stay married to one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. You know, he's a great <laughs> filmmaker, but that's where it ends anyway. Okay. Uh, any other things you want to say before we give this thing a rating? Nope. Well, I did want to mention that uh, we've talked about Chris Elliott a little bit, that <laughs> apparently he was coming into audition for the hippie role. Yeah, and right. So when he didn't get it, they gave him that that extra role on the ship. So I'm glad he made it in there somewhere. Um, and it is fun to think about him having played the hippie character. But uh, well, that's true. That's yeah. true. I, I had entirely forgot he was in this until I put it back in. I was like, oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> See, it's hard for me to watch him in this because uh what he goes on to do later in his career it's just oh, yeah. it's so it's so weird um, he's so great i love him yeah he's he's a trip he's just you know he went from being kind of weird in that one just being creepy and a lot of other, <laughs> other things he's in but hey he does it so well so that's his stick all right that's fine yeah. with me okay uh giving it a rating uh your choices are never again stream it buy it used buy it new and even though it's not available uh 4k blu-ray uh patrick what rating are you giving this movie well obviously as we've discussed your your options are limited here but i still definitely <laughs> say 4k blu-ray for sure because any james cameron title you are almost by definition operating at the bleeding edge of technology the whole point is to see this stuff at the highest possible resolution to show off exactly what he was able to do 
And uh, it's it's crazy that any of his movies are not available in that format. But <laughs> yeah, 4K Blu-ray for anything Cameron, for sure. All right, Andrew? Um, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think I'm just going to go with buy it used. This is one of those ones that's it's a movie I feel like everybody needs to see. It has its place in film history, but I don't think it's, you know, a, a, a the kind of movie that I'm going to keep rewatching and want to show everybody all the time. So like, I want to have it, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. I went with uh, buy it new because... Um, I definitely think it's worth having. I have it in my collection, uh, but it it's one of those movies that I don't think it's for everyone. And I think that maybe the length alone might be too much for some people. So uh, just for that, and there are a few pacing issues here and there. It's not perfect, but uh, it's, I would say buy it new for sure. It's, I think it should have it in your catalog. And I do because <laughs> it was as soon as it hit DVD, I'm like, yoink, <laughs> because I had to, there was no choice. Okay. So as we mentioned in the beginning, uh, Avatar The Way of Water opens December 16th. Um, are you guys going to see it? Because I'm getting my tickets early. I will not be seeing it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, That franchise is a, is a fool me once, shame on me situation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Uh, I didn't much care for the first one. And um, and I wish that he would work on other things that are not Avatar related. And I think that the fewer people that see Avatar 2, <laughs> the more likely he is to say, okay, well, it's time for a significant change in direction. All right. Well, I did hear that he had a has a plan in place if this one fails. We'll see. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Not, he, not like he listens to anybody anyway. <laughs> right, uh, <yeah>. Andrew. <laughs> I. I'm very grateful you said that, Patrick. I thought I was going to be an island here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, not super excited to see it. I, I'll probably give it a chance maybe after it's been out for a while, if the reviews are good, but I'm not really particularly eager. The first one was okay. I, I'm I'm a little bitter every time like they, they re-release it so it maintains its status as the you know, the highest grossing movie of all time. Cause it's like, come on. No, it, it didn't deserve that. And he's <laughs> made so many comments since then that this one will break that record. And it's like, dude, don't it's promise not. that. <laughs> like it's, it's post pandemic right now. Like there, nobody expects it to break that number. It's not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to be the Island. Cause yes, I'm going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to see it for all of us. Yes. I'll let you guys know. Um, I saw the first one in the theater. I liked it. I do have a copy of it um, in my collection. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of Dance with Wolves, and you put it in space and add aliens and, you know, awesome action sequences. And yes, it is not groundbreaking in the storytelling, but I definitely enjoy the movie. And uh, to me, it's fun. And I've been to Pandora at Disney World, and that is freaking awesome, too. Oh, really? Is it? Oh, oh, my God. The Yeah, there's only two rides in the whole section, but you literally are walking through Pandora. How they made some of that, the landscapes is unbelievable. The sounds... Uh, is just amazing. My daughter can't walk through the section because it freaks her out just because <laughs> of, she's, she's waiting for stuff to pop out. But no, uh, the the rides, um, the river journey is kind of fun. But uh, no, the uh, the one where you actually fly on one of the creatures is just amazing. It, it's always like a two-hour wait, but I don't care. You feel the water hits you. You feel the wind. You, you know, the, the thing you're riding literally breathes, so your legs are moving in and out with the breathing of the creature. Oh my gosh, so, yeah, awesome. it's... It is totally immersive and it is just fabulous. So yes, I, I enjoy that. Um, not quite as much as, uh, you know, galaxy's edge, but that's because I'm a star Wars geek and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, well, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Where can people get your coffee? 
Uh, well, if you're in the Cleveland area, you can always stop by and visit us in Avon, Ohio, or you can check us out at blackkeycoffee.com. And I am currently uh, been brewing uh, the Columbia Colombian uh, uh, dark roast. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I'm not usually a fan of dark roast, but uh, I'm digging it. My wife got the, the espresso as well, and she likes that. She likes it uh, cold brew. She likes it better oh, that that's, way. That's a good one for that, yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, thank you, Patrick, very much for being on here for the first time. And uh, where can people find Vintage Video? Uh, Vintage Video is, uh, we use the same username, Vintage Video Pod, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd, YouTube. Um, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Macedon's a little weird <laughs> trying to dig into that now because um, there's like you need the server and the username. But I set one up on Counter Social with Vintage Video Pod, but I'm I'm still trying to figure out what the next Twitter is going to be because <laughs> that's right. where all of our people are. So I don't know what to do here. Yeah, I know I have I have way more followers on Twitter than I do on Facebook. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm moving to Instagram come January. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, this has been fun. Thank you guys very much. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, thank you for stopping by and making us a part of your day. It means us, uh, means a, a lot to us. Uh, let us know what you think about The Abyss and whether you're going to see the new Avatar movie, whether you like it, hate it, or don't really give a damn. Reach out to us on social media. We are on Twitter at DockingBase77Pod, on Facebook at DockingBase77Podcast, and you can send us an email, DockingBase77Podcast at gmail.com. And... Come back next week. It is Steven Spielberg's birthday this month. We are celebrating by discussing Minority Report versus his take on War of the Worlds. We are in the thick of December. Take care of yourself, each other. We are all in this together. The holidays are tough on a lot of people. So whatever you celebrate this time of year, please enjoy yourself and remember what is indeed important. Do yourself a favor. Watch more movies. And remember, physical media is better than streaming. The Docking Bay 77 podcast is produced and edited by Dayton Johnson, recorded with Rode Pod mics, the Zoom Pod Track P4, and edited on Audacity. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. You can find him on YouTube and Bandcamp. Thank you for listening. are returning. They're hunting us. What's our plan? This is our home. This is our family. This is our fortress. This is where we make our stand. We must protect the people. Let's get it done. Avatar The Way of Water. Experience it in 3D. Tickets on sale now.